0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode number 85. Today's Sunday, March the 18th, day after St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all the Irish folks out there and all the folks who pretended to be Irish over the weekend. Uh, Cheers to you all just the same. I am joined all the way in frosty New Jersey. You can tell because he's wearing his cozy new wool hat. My co-host, Jeff. Yeah, Adam Wilson. Jeff, how you doing on this early Sunday evening, my friend? You keeping warm up there.
1: Yeah, dude. My aunt wove me this wool hat and it's still cold in the middle of March in New Jersey, so I gotta wear it.
0: Dude, it's been kind of cold down here in Florida too. It was like it's been 50 degrees. I'm like, what's what's all this talk I've heard about global warming? This has been the coldest winter, I think, in the history of Florida. It definitely was not I've only lived in Florida. This is I'm going on my second year now this is the, the coldest it's ever been is this winter. It's gotten down to 30 degrees. Like the fuck's going on. I try to get away from this shit by moving down here. And, uh, I guess no luck in any case. Uh, UFC fight night. 127 took place last night at the O2 arena in London, England. It was headlined by Alexander Volkov and Fabricio Radum. Uh, huge upset in that main event, but, Uh, Pretty solid car overall. I know you didn't catch a lot of it, Jeff, but you did catch this main event. Uh, Give me your thoughts and the implications uh, going forward after this fight here.
1: Yeah, dude, it looked like Volkov was losing, and then out of nowhere, he knocks Fabrizio Verdum out, which is basically Volkov's M.O. at this point. It looks like he's losing a fight, and then he comes out and ends up with a spectacular finish. And at the end of the fight and in the post uh, press conference. He was asking for a title shot after, uh, DC and Stipe finish up their business. And I'll be honest with you, Bill. It's kind of hard to argue at this point. He's, he's knocked out some pretty tough guys in there. It's hard to
0: argue unless you're talking from a marketing perspective. And you know, I always go down this road, Jeff Volkov is an outstanding fighter. I've been on his bandwagon for the longest time. And I've been saying leading up to this fight, it was a dangerous fight for Fabricio to take, uh, Verdum did everything he could to get this fight to the ground. He did not want to stand with Volkov. He made it very obvious. He had a couple of decent single leg attempts, but uh, Verdum is not known for his wrestling. He gets guys to the ground by either pulling guard or just throwing wild kicks, knowing that he's going to get taken down, and he tried doing that. Volkov was not taking the bait. Uh, His wrestling was not very strong. He even went for an Iminari role at one point, and he had a hard time even passing Volkov's guard. Uh, for a guy in Fabrizio Verdum who is one of the highest level grapplers in MMA history, uh, he had a really difficult time uh, getting through Volkov's guard. And, and Volkov has admitted that he is not a jiu-jitsu practitioner, he even thinks that the time for jujitsu has passed in MMA, and uh, it, which bold statement I know, but uh, you know, he was put in some bad positions by Fabricio Verdum and he survived and he came back and knocked him out. I actually did not think that Verdum even won a round in this fight. I know he took him down and held him down for a majority of the first round, but then when they got up, I feel like Volkov did enough damage at the end to steal the round, and that's the way it was going. He stayed really calm and composed on the ground with Verdum, which, you know, that alone defeats a lot of guys. You know, some guys will get down there on the ground with him and be like, oh, shit, I'm on the ground with the Jiu-Jitsu master. And then they get submitted. So uh, hats off to Volkov. I don't know if you give him a title shot now, especially because he's shown that his wrestling defense still needs some work. I mean, here's a guy who was out wrestled by Czech Congo earlier in his career. And granted, he's come a long way since then. But uh, getting single legged by Fabrizio Verdum, you, you know, what's that? What's that going to say if he gets in there with a wrestler the caliber of Curtis Blades or of Stepe Miocic or of Daniel Cormier? Uh, Daniel Cormier will ragdoll you if you have no takedown defense, and he will pound the shit out of you while you're on the ground. Uh, same thing with Stipe or, or any of these guys. Um, so as far as the title shot goes. I would be hesitant because of the wrestling aspect and because of the marketability, he's not great on the microphone. Uh, he's got a hell of a highlight reel. If the UFC wants to push it, but I don't see them, uh, I don't see them wanting to do that. Uh, which is unfortunate. But I'd say maybe one more fight before putting him in there for the title. He does have uh, a pretty nice streak. I think he's six and zero or five and zero in the UFC, and he's very experienced. Uh, you know, thirty six fights overall uh, for a, a fairly young guy, but. Uh, what do you think is next for – well, what are your thoughts on all of that, Jeff, now that I just spewed so much information on you? And what's next for Fabricio Verdum? I
1: don't know what you do for Fabricio Verdum. I forgot how he did – his. Oh, no, way, he won his last fight. Um, <clears throat> I think Verdum needs to take a little bit of time off because that – heavyweight division is getting a little bit stale at the moment uh you know we've talked about that a few times and as for volkov i'd like to see him take on andre arlovsky if he hasn't already i think that would be a really good test for him um but yeah other than that i don't see too much going on in this heavyweight division at the moment
0: yeah, for sure. It's it's getting pretty weak to the point where you have to bring up the light heavyweight champion to challenge for the title. Uh for the sake of time, let's kind of uh breeze through this card here. So, the co-main event, Jan blakovich and Jimmy Manoa in a really back and forth bloody battle. Uh the story of this fight, I think was Bl- blakovich's uh more versatility. And the fact that he was able to mix in his wrestling and mix up his striking a little bit more than Jimmy Manua, who is essentially a boxer uh, fighting in MMA. And if he can catch you with that big left hook, it's devastating. Uh, He did catch Blahovich, which with uh, a couple of big shots, Uh, he caught him with a big head kick and... Uh, he, I, he did land a couple of those left hooks, but his setups were a little bit tentative because Blahovich was mixing in some wrestling and he was really keeping Manuel at bay with a really nice jab. Uh, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? you think the decision went the right way?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't argue with the decision. I only, unfortunately, I only saw the highlights for this one, but it looked like it was going towards Jan's, uh, Jan Blahovich's favor.
0: Yeah, for sure. So a decision that definitely did not go the right way in my opinion, was the fight right before the co-main event. And that was Tom Duquemois against someone who unfortunately has become like the jobber of the UFC. Uh, For those not familiar with like pro wrestling terms, this is the guy they bring in to get beat up by the superstar for like the, the tune-up fight in the local circuits. So like when the WWE comes to town and it's not a Monday night raw, it's just like a, or a pay-per-view. It's just like a local show. They'll have guys like in my generation was guys like the Brooklyn brawler. They would bring in just for like the superstars to, to come beat up like whoever the the big name was at the time. So Terry on very experienced fighter. Uh, but he's been, you know, the lamb led to slaughter against guys who clearly have a lot of marketing behind them. So his last fight was against sugar, Sean O'Malley. Uh, clearly the UFC is putting a big push behind him because he's, Super marketable, super flashy, and whatever, that's fine. But I, I don't disagree with that because I am on board with the marketing approach, but I do not disagree with decisions going to guys who are more marketable. Uh, I think if you earn a decision in a fight, uh, that's it. You know, you won the fight. And that's what I believe happened with Terry on I believe he very clearly won this fight against Tom Duke and and Tom Duganois is a French fighter who the UFC is really trying to push. He's got some really nice, flashy striking that he has displayed on the smaller local circuits. What we saw from him last night was some very rudimentary striking. We saw him throw a one-two with a leg kick, and it was a really hard leg kick. He turned over on it perfectly. He got a lot of torque on it. It looked like it hurt on Ware, but the volume from on Ware was unbelievable. He was outstriking Tom Duganois. Uh I was getting frustrated, going for failed takedowns. Uh, he got taken down a couple of times. One judge even gave this fight 30-27 in favor of Tom Ducumois when Terry on where very clearly won the third round. Not only did he win the first the third round, but he hit a very nice low ankle pick takedown right at the end of the round to make sure he secured it. And even Tom I looked surprised that he won this decision. So given all that information, I've just downloaded to you, Jeff, because I know you didn't catch this fight. Uh, what are your thoughts on this sort of thing happening? Obviously Tom Duke the more local favorite, because he's the French guy fighting in London against the American. And he's the one with the marketing push behind him. But, uh, this was a very, I think in, by the second round, Terry on was outstriking him 118 strikes to like 20. Uh, it was that big of a discrepancy, even Duke and Wa look surprised. So, uh, I know I just threw a lot of information at you, Jeff. Uh, let me get your reaction to this because I know you didn't catch the fight.
1: Yeah. I caught a few highlights on MMA world and it was a little weird because at the end of the fight, Terry Ware had both of his hands up and, um, <clears throat> Duke and Wild, his body language was just like you said, he was, you know, with his head down a little bit. It looked like he hadn't won, and then the ref raised his hand, and he looked really surprised. Um, however, the highlights for this were all of those leg kicks that you mentioned. So, I, it, like, even from a marketing standpoint, it looked like they purposely made it look like Duquanwa won, even mm-hmm. in the highlights, because the only highlights were all those leg kicks. I didn't see the ankle pick. I didn't see the takedowns. So... Uh, it's it's wrong, dude, and I don't agree with it. I'm with you on this one. I don't agree with it. I know you're trying to get uh, this guy, Tukenwa, on the highlight reel and everything, but I feel like robbing Terry on wear isn't right either. Yeah, I, I just
0: don't want MMA to turn into what boxing is, where you know if the more marketable guy, if it goes to a decision, the guy with more marketability wins no matter what. Uh, now, I'm a big fan of marketing, Jeff. You know this. I know that you have to put certain resources behind certain fighters, but at the same time, I want their wins to be legitimate. If you're going to get behind a guy and market him, then, you know, it's it's got to be a fair fight still. If Terry on Ware goes out there, uh, you know, and, and you're putting him in there as the lamb to slaughter and he surprises you and he wins the fight, then, you know, shit happens. He wins the fight. You got to give him the W. Uh, and I, I think that's fucked up. I don't think, you know, that things should go down that way. Now, if you disagree and you somehow think that Tom Duganwa won that fight, I'm open to a debate on it. So if you want to reach out on social media and, you know, maybe I was missing something when I watched this fight. I woke up early this morning to go back and watch the fights that I missed last night because this card was really. Early in the day here in the States, it started at 5 p.m. So I just couldn't watch it. So I woke up early this morning, I was feeding the baby and I was, you know, you know, watching the main card. But from my perspective, uh, Tom Dugan clearly lost this fight. I, and even in the post fight interview, he didn't, he's like, I don't know the leg kicks. Uh, <laughs> it was like, he had no answer for like why he won. Um, so he could be a bright star, you know. He's been flashy in the in the local circuits, but the thing with MMA, Jeff, and you know this as well as I do, there's such a discrepancy between the local professional circuits and a platform like the UFC. There just is. That's why someone like a Sage Northcutt can look so phenomenal in those local circuits because his talent is so much. Above those guys that he's fighting. But when you put him on uh the highest elite level platform like the UFC, that's why there's only like a handful of camps that are producing fighters. You know, there's probably less than a dozen of legitimate camps. If you go through the entire UFC roster, obviously there are your outliers like uh Steve Amyochik, who is not training at a big camp. And uh, you know, I there there are a few other examples I'm not thinking of, but in any case, uh, in my book, Terry on won that fight. And even though he has three losses in a row and he's brought in as the lamb to slaughter, I hope he doesn't get caught because uh, he, he does put on exciting fights and he gets in there. He went to distance with Sean O'Malley. Um, so hopefully uh, the UFC doesn't cut him over this because I, I think he very clearly won that fight. And if it, it's only for marketing reasons that Tom Duke and Maul got the W, then that's fucked up. If you're listening, UFC, uh, we think that's fucked up. So something else that's fucked up. Two fights on this card, Jeff, were finished with one second to go in the third round. Uh, the first of which was a submission by Paul Craig over uh, Magomed Ankalev. Ank- Ankela. On Kellyev, I don't know, Jeff. I'm usually better with these things, but I didn't do my res- my uh, research here. Um, so Paul Craig getting the triangle choke with one second to go, four minutes fifty nine seconds of the third round, and the other fight, with Leon Edwards and Peter Sabata, who had a really competitive fight, really back and forth. But I, I think Leon Edwards is the clear victor here, but with the way the judging was going, it, who knows how this could have gone? But he's he gets a TKO over Peter Sabata at 4 minutes, 59 seconds to the third round. Uh, Did you catch either of these? And even if you didn't, Jeff, what's your reaction? One second to go, getting the job done. Uh, What do you think about uh, Edwards and Paul Craig here, getting the job done?
1: Yeah, I saw the highlights for these, and Bill, I love it. I love it, everything coming down to the wire. Um, They don't want to leave it to the judges for obvious reasons um that that uh triangle was beautiful by the way and leon edwards he just toughed it out man called out darren till after and i don't know I, i'd like to see them get it on what do you think bill
0: i like it uh hmm it could be a good fight i, I it seems like based on leon edwards performance it seems like he's treading on dangerous ground i mean i think edwards is ranked 15th Going into this, Darren Till is coming off a nasty knockout over uh, a top-ranked competitor in Donald Cerrone. I feel like it would be a step down in competition for Darren Till, but then again, it seems like nobody in the top five really wants a piece of that. I did see that Darren Till called out Jorge Masvidal, uh, and he wants to fight him in July. That's a little bit more appealing to me, Jeff, but I wouldn't be mad at Leon Edwards and Darren Till. They got the whole, like, who's the better who's the most badass uh, British welterweight going on. But uh, Masvidal and Darren Till, that's a scrap uh, You know, I'm going to be tuning in for. And I feel like that could even draw in some casual fans. Uh, I see from the look on your face, you maybe didn't hear about this call out. So uh, what's your reaction to that now, Jeff?
1: I did not hear that call out. But, yeah, I think that one wants my palate a little bit more. I think I want to see Masvidal versus Darren Till. Forget, disregard my previous comments.
0: (laughs) We'll strike it from the record. I'm not going to go back and edit this because uh, I'll be honest, I don't edit these podcasts. (laughs) Whatever whatever comes out of our mouths, uh, that's what goes into it. All right, so uh, pretty solid card overall. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't catch all of it. I do want to go back and watch Cajon uh, Johnson and Stevie Ray. They went to a split decision in favor of Johnson. Uh, I'm interested to see how that fight was scored, just based on you know the abomination that was the judging in Duganwa versus on Ware. Uh, and then the, most of the rest of the card w- was pretty much finishes. Uh, so the two, the two finishes with a second to go. That's got to be some kind of UFC record I, I can't even remember the Last time a fight was Finished with a second to go I think the last Time was maybe mighty mouse Johnson did it to Uh Hmm Japanese fighter whose name Escaping me uh, but he armbarred him with like one or two seconds left Uh In any case solid card Uh the next card we got a couple of weeks off Here Jeff so the next card is UFC 223 and I feel Like this is perfect because I need a couple of weeks off to decompress, you know, to catch up on the MMA news because I fall behind on it uh, because I try to, you know, dive so deep into the cards for the podcast and, you know, I drink a lot of booze, so I don't have that many brain cells left. Uh, (laughs) So I need to kind of regroup and I'm really looking forward to a three week buildup to this fight. However, if this fight gets canceled <laughs> because Tony Ferguson gets injured kicking metal pipes, or Khabib can't make weight, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind, Jeff. I, I don't, I don't think there's enough bourbon on planet Earth to <laughs> to resurrect me from this. Uh, but I am so fucking excited. Somebody, somebody asked me the other day. They were like, "What fight coming up? Are you looking forward to?" And I was like, Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov. This is the best fight you can make between any two combination of guys on this roster. This is such an interesting fight. You have the undefeated record of Khabib against the complete unpredictability of Tony Ferguson that makes this matchup so enticing. And I don't want to get too far into it because we have three weeks of shows with zero content planned. (laughs) But tell me, what are your thoughts on Do you like the layoff here, Jeff? Are you on board with me on that? And are you as excited as I am for this matchup?
1: Oh, absolutely, Bill. And it's going to be in Brooklyn. I'm really debating whether I should go and see it in person. But I feel like I wouldn't appreciate it as much. Because Mm -hmm. when you're there, you know, I was was just yelling and cheering. And I couldn't look at the fights from an analytical standpoint. And I want to be able to do that for this card. Because the card looks awesome, and this yeah. fight is—it's probably the one of the best fights that they could put on for this year, aside from DC versus Steep Bay. I'm super excited for it.
0: Yeah, this is one of those like th- this is kind of giving me a nostalgic feeling to what it was like, you know, five or six years ago when there was only a card every three months, or, or something like that, and you had to really look forward to them. Um, I I am really. Debating buying this one, Jeff, maybe you should just fly down here. We should just order this fight. Um, But the thing about this is I'm not pressing purchase until like the main card starts until like, <laughs> until like Joe Rogan is giving his red face, like veins bursting, like promo that he does at the end of the SF uh FS one prelims where he's like, you gotta buy this card. It's going to be insane. And Dana White's just standing next to him equally as red and just, laughing because he's embarrassed, like part embarrassed from Joe Rogan's promo work that I love so much. Uh, I'm not clicking pay until they start like that, that gladiator song intro, because (laughs) (laughs) one of these guys could potentially pull out. This is also what makes it so exciting. Jeff is like this fight might not happen. We might have to put it off another six months, (laughs) but I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Rolling the dice on this one because I'm so fucking excited for this fight. And uh you know me Jeff, I'm not a very emotional guy. I don't get amped up for a lot of things, but I am genuinely excited for this fight. I can't wait. Um just for the fact that you know what Khabib is going to do. He's going to take take you down and beat the fuck out of you. You have no clue what Tony Ferguson is going to do. So it's like, you know, two rams kind of going at it, which one is going to give in first and uh it's awesome and I'm looking forward to the fact that we'll be able to spend a lot of time taking a deep dive into this fight and really breaking it down I'm really looking forward to that Jeff I plan on watching tape on both fighters and actually like doing homework instead of just turning on a microphone and going live on the internet like we usually do every week <laughs> I might actually might actually put a little research into this in any case Jeff uh, St. Patrick's Day yesterday this is the day when the whole world wants to be Irish did you partake in any festivities. And uh, if not, I know you're sipping on some uh, pretty good craft beer lately. So uh, what's your booze lifestyle been like in the past week or so?
1: Yeah. So, Bill, midweek I went to uh, have lunch at the Beer Spot and Grill in Fort Lee, which we've been to a few times. And oh yeah, I had their cob salad, which is awesome. And to drink, I had a Brick City, um, what was it called? The butcher, that's what it was called. Mm. And dude, I, I let the, you know, I tried a sip of it first and I was getting these, um, citrus notes. I, it was either orange or grapefruit. I believe it was mm. orange and it went really well with the hoppiness. It was more of a, I felt like it was more of a summertime drink, but mm. Bill, awesome stuff. Uh, brewed local. It's from little Ferry, New Jersey. So next time you're up here, we might have to take a trip out there. Brick city. I, good stuff. I
0: think, I think I've been to that brewery before. That's like it's really close by to Fort Lee, right? I believe so, yes. I think when when I was working in New Jersey, we we did a couple of happy hours there. Really solid uh brewery. They got some good IPAs, they got some good stuff on draft there. Nice uh nice spot. You should definitely go check it out. That sounds awesome. Um might have to ask you to send some growlers my way. Uh but <clears throat> in any case, uh so St. Patrick's Day, Jeff a lot of Guinness and Jameson flowing everywhere. Uh, you know, obviously I have a two month old child, so I wasn't out at a parade or anything like that, but I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, we went out to, uh, a local bar, actually a local street fair here in safety Harbor Friday night. And then, uh, in Dunedin Saturday afternoon. And I had a couple of Guinnesses and I know, what goes through people's minds when I say I had a Guinness? People say, oh, I don't like Guinness. It's too heavy for me. And to that I say, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because Guinness is not heavy at all. It's actually a very light drinking beer. It's quite sweet. People will say like, oh, it tastes like motor oil. Or t- no, that's just what it looks like. And you have the mindset of a toddler and you look at it and it's a dark beer and you don't want it because you're a fucking baby well let me tell you something you need to grow up you need to go find irish pub that does a proper guinness pour and i i know i've talked about this on the show before jeff but i'm very adamant about this because i don't like when people say that they won't drink guinness because it's too heavy or you know whatever the reason is and i i very recently turned some people's opinions on this you have to go to a place that has Guinness on a separate draft line so if you see all the taps in a bar if Guinness is like right in the middle just pass over it get something else get an IPA get a Bud Light get you know whatever other trash you drink uh <laughs> whatever whatever does it for you you know we don't judge here like whatever you enjoy drinking but if you go to a nice legitimate Irish pub like Connolly's in Manhattan or like Rory Dolan's in Yonkers, New York, where the Guinness is on a separate line. The reason for this is because Guinness has to be kept a couple of degrees warmer than other beers. Otherwise, it's going to taste a little funny. And it also has to have less carbonation. So if you have a really nicely poured Guinness by someone who knows what they're doing, where they fill the glass halfway, wait for the foam to settle down, and then fill it the rest of the way, and you get that perfect amount of foam on top, that's a nicely poured Guinness, and it's done in the proper glass, everything like that. Uh, try try it like that. So if you're listening to this and you're one of those anti-Guinness people because you think it's too heavy, or it tastes like motor oil, or a- any of those uh, bullshit excuses to not drink the black stuff, uh, then you have to go and try a proper pour. And I guarantee you, you will change your mind. Uh, if if you don't love it, you will at the very least change your opinion. And I know I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit here, Jeff, but I'm very passionate about my Guinness. Are you on board with this or, or are you one of the anti Guinness people? I think we've
1: talked about this before. Yeah, Bill, you know that I have enjoyed Guinness even long before we met Bill, you know, it's, uh, when I was in college, it was my Mm go-to, um, it's just awesome, man. When when it's poured right and, you know, it's done the right way, it tastes just like coffee. It's delicious.
0: Yeah. Incredible. Don't do it out of a bottle. Don't do it out of a can. You know, that I know the bottles, they put, like, the little marble in it that I have no fucking clue what it does because I'm not a scientist. I'm just a guy who likes beer. But you have to go to a place where you get a proper pour, preferably done by someone with an Irish accent um, you, you know, you can't really go wrong there because if you order from them and they give you like, Oh, I don't know if you want to be doing that. Uh, then that's, you probably stay away from that. But if they're like, yup. And they go and they pour it halfway and it's on a separate line. Uh, you're in for an experience. You really are. And from what I hear, Jeff, from people who have been to Ireland, I've never been myself. Uh, there's nothing like having a Guinness from the source when you go to the brewery or just, Any bar in Ireland, uh, supposedly, you know, you get the black stuff done proper. And uh, it's on my list. It's on my bucket list. I want to go to Ireland uh, strictly for the fact that I want to have, like, a real proper Guinness. Uh, The other thing I was doing last night, Jeff, I sent you some pictures. I was doing some baby Guinness shots, which they are a dessert shot. And the reason they call them baby Guinness shots, uh, if you follow on Instagram, at MMA on the rocks, uh, I put this in my story last night, so it might still be up. Uh, by the time this episode gets up on the iTunes, uh, so a baby Guinness shot is to fill a shot glass with about an ounce of Kahlua and then maybe another half ounce of Bailey's and the way it pours, you have to layer the Bailey's on top. So the way you do that, you take a, a small bar spoon and you just kind of rest the spoon on top of the Kahlua and you pour the Bailey's over the spoon. So it layers on top, uh, really nicely. And, uh, I you a picture of this last night, Jeff, and it's a really sweet, uh, for me, it's really sweet for people who really enjoy sweets. It's probably not that sweet, but, uh, it's a really nice nightcap shot or, you know, a really nice start your night shot. If you have a sweet tooth, uh, but very delicious. The Kahlua and the Bailey's, uh, combo, uh, is, is really nice. And, you know, you don't have to layer the shot. I mean, you just pour them in the shot glass and, and mix them together. It's all going to the same place anyway. But uh, if you want to get that nice uh, Snapchat or that nice uh, Instagram story picture, uh, use a little spoon and uh, just rest it on top of the Kahlua, pour it over. Uh, what do you think, Jeff? You think that, like uh, this is something you might want to try at some point.
1: Absolutely. It sounds delicious. All right.
0: Well, I'll have to set those up for you on next time we hang out. Uh, definitely a delicious little, uh, dessert shot there and then i was doing some uh some jameson cask mates i'm i'm still in, i'm into my second bottle of that I, I i've been talking about this the last couple of weeks uh i know a lot of people missed the episode last week uh but yeah jameson cask makes uh they uh pair up with local beer breweries and and uh age the jameson in in ipa barrels and it's fucking delicious All right, Jeff, we got the next three weeks to break down UFC 223 and any other UFC or MMA news that comes up. I know we got a couple of Bellator cards scheduled in there. Uh, Dylan Dennis, who is uh, one of Conor McGregor's training partners and and one of the most uh, hateable people on social media. This guy gets so much hate because he's so kind of uh douchey i guess he he uh finally has an mma fight booked uh against the guy who was submitted in his last <laughs> in his last two fights so dylan Danis, for those who don't know a very high level brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt uh he's competed in some of the top jiu-jitsu competitions and he's one of conor mcgregor's main training partners so he'll be fighting in bellator i'm sure a lot of people will be rooting against him uh, I'm sure he will either win that fight by submission or probably quit MMA because this guy was, you know, he's the lamb to slaughter. He's the Tarion Ware of, <laughs> of Bellator. <laughs> uh, so, any thoughts on that or anything else going on in the MMA world before we, uh, you know, take this uh, three week dive into UFC 223, Jeff?
1: Bill, I'm excited to to really do some research on both of these fighters and and come back and be able to give you you know a good solid analysis we got plenty of time so i'm excited let's do it
0: yeah fucking let's do it i'm gonna spend the next three weeks uh convincing you to get a plane ticket to come down here and lower this fight (laughs) 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 all right so this was a very rushed episode but i feel like we got a lot done here unfortunately i gotta move on to some other things so we're gonna cut this one short for jeff the animal wilson my name is bill welker until next time cheers everybody goodbye